Hey there, and welcome to Time for Chai, the podcast series where leaders in manufacturing, commodities, risk, supply chain management, and digital technology come to share truly actionable insight based on real-world experiences. I'm your host, Jake Jacobs, Head of Growth at Chai. Uh, Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Time for Chai. So today, Tom Brady, who is Executive Director of the uh, JP Morgan Centre for Commodities at the University of Colorado, Denver, and myself are very excited to welcome on the uh, podcast, David Modil-Flicks. David has held director-level roles at Crafts Food Mondelez uh, and also at Kafka. He is uh, someone who's got a very deep knowledge of uh, the commodities markets, encompassing risk management, and he has managed multi-billion dollar uh, portfolios across the energy, packaging, and agricultural sectors. Uh, David recently left Mondelez, where he had held management and director roles for over nine years. Uh, most recently, he was the Associate Director of Global Commodities with a focus on the energy and packaging, which means, uh, you know, now that he's semi-independent, he'd be able to give us his very independent and frank views on on during the discussion. So what we're going to try and do is we're going to break the discussion down into a few parts. So we're going to have a quick overview, uh, a quick chat about the current markets. We'll then move on to talking about some supply chains, potential advice that maybe David could give people in and around the supply chain activity. And then we're going to finish off with the role of commodities education for the podcast. So, uh, guys, it's a pleasure joining us, and uh, thank you very much. Tom, I, I suppose we could probably start with you. If, if yeah. you have got anything in particular that you wanted to discuss with David, let's start there. Yes, uh, David, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, you know, just to kind of start it off, uh, you know, what's your view of the, the current market situation right now from a stance of, uh, of commodity risk management? Commodity markets promises excitement at all times. On individual commodities, I have previously seen crude oil at $10 and at $140 a barrel. In 2008 alone, crude oil traded at $33 and at $143 a barrel. Cocoa at sub-1,000 to sub-4,000 US dollars a ton, but also less traded commodities like hazelnuts at $3,000 and $15,000 US dollars a ton. Even one contract was written at $20,000 a ton. Sugar, milk, coffee, cocoa, soybeans, aluminum, nickel, you name it. And not to mention electricity and emission prices. What most of these events had in common in the past is that they were largely supply shocks, weather, um, conflicts, and changes in trade policy. Less usual are the macro demand shock that we had during this COVID-19. Certainly, we have experienced demand shocks that impacted certain markets or countries in the past, but not at a global scale at large. With the slowdown of industrial and economic activity, the demand for energy and metals is down massively. And the scale of the supply chain disruptions we have seen in the food sector is unprecedented. Unprecedented in terms of being spread across markets, across commodities, industries, and also bearing large impacts on credit and counterparty risk. Companies with solid risk management do generally better during times of crisis. Companies that were active planning in January fared better than those that were less prepared and waited until March. Generally, companies with good risk management tend to make earlier strategic plans, tend to have better relationships with banks, tend to know better their counterparties, and tend to have better relationships with their suppliers. 
That's actually uh, interesting, and that sort of leads on to my next question because uh, there's been quite a lot of media coverage and talk within the industry around about the whole sort of supply chain and is the global supply chain broken as a result of what's going on? So, you know, how do you, David, think the current situation would affect, you know, is affecting the supply chains right now dynamics? And, you know, where do you, or do you think there will be significant changes to the supply chains moving forward into the future? Uh, supply chains have evolved for the past decades into becoming global. There hasn't been major technological or business model advances over the past 10 years, at least. As in manufacturing, the business model has been about reducing costs, making more at a lower cost, outsourcing, lowering inventories, freeing up cash flows, and extending payment terms. All this worked fine for the smooth normal times. I foresee supply chains will become less global, and there will be a stronger and more strategic operating plans. Eventually, contingency plans with local suppliers, making in-house or holding larger inventories. Often, this goes against the free cash flows every company has been thriving for the past decade to boost share prices. So it will be a tight battle to the point some companies may decide to do business as before to do not have next quarter financials. For the past years, it has been increasingly more difficult to deliver on cost-saving KPIs. There is a need for innovation across the supply chain. Technology and sustainability will open the opportunity for new operating models. But very few companies understand well what can be done there. It is often seen as a risk or as a cost more than an opportunity. In fact, 70% of the information system technology projects fail. Failing meaning it does not deliver what it was promised. It costed much more than planned. Implementation took much longer or it was crap altogether, and I have seen it all. The product offering is large and complex to fit in with ex this existing operations. In many cases, it requires change management and companies often do not have the internal skills or resources for it. Okay, so, I mean, in effect, what you're saying is that the existing business models probably isn't fit for purpose anymore. So, I mean, you know, what, what will the new normal be for, for you know, the FFCG and more in particular for the sort of food and beverage experience that you have and, and, and on the commodity side? You know, what, what, what is going to happen there, do you think? Well, I believe the effects of COVID-19 will leave a footprint in most companies. Companies will want to make robust strategic plans to react faster to the market environment. Something today we call agility. It's a, it's a little bit the new buzzword. And supply-side production and supply chains have to re be reconfigured to changing and lower demand. Uh, surveys conducted recently show leaders expect economic activity to fully return to pre-crisis levels only in 2022 or 2023. I'm more optimistic than that, at least in the commodity space. Note, this is not the same as stock market prices or as the prices coming back. Uh, these are forward-looking. So when you discount a large series of free cash flows, from the future, you might not see a major dip for many firms. Of course, that is assuming the free cash flows were set in the market and not with central bankers being marginal investors. With them, you know nothing is reliable, especially on what the asset prices are saying. Thank you, David. Uh, you know, how should we view China in this context? And, and are there any lessons to be learned from, from looking east? Uh, China will play a much larger role than most think. For the past two decades, China has become a major player in the commodity market. 
it has made significant advances in supply chain and to some extent into risk management. In the 2000s, China was sourcing food commodities from international players, and they were new into the game. Admittedly, China had no risk management expertise. Margins were fat for traders exporting to China, although had to put up with technical defaults on contracts when prices were not convenient. However, China did react by acquiring renowned trading houses. Kofco, Novel Nidera, and although not all went smooth, today they have very well-established trading desks with competent people there that secures flows and manages prices. In terms of innovation, adoption of new technologies is much faster in the East, and this will give an edge over the next decade, especially in China. A question I have. So, so I know that we we mentioned at the at the introduction that you you have uh, after having spent over nine years at Mondelez, you, you recently left at the beginning of 2020. So, you you were almost outside of the environment when COVID sort of and the and the lockdown situation occurred. You know, if you were still in the seat that you were in, you know, how would you approach the current environment? I mean, and what would you what would your focus? What would keep you awake at night? What would you be thinking about? Oh. Operationally, the supply chain in most companies are in need of a major turnaround. It need to break the vicious cycle of cost savings that never hit the bottom line and focus on new processes geared for a future consumer pool instead of a product push. Arguably, the current supply chains were designed in the 80s for a product push. And since, supply chain have become unnecessarily complex when trying to patch the consumer pool over the product push. Due to COVID-19, this process will accelerate. At the moment, supply chains needs to be reconfigured to changing and lower demand. For most companies, this turnaround should start with organizational design, redefine KPIs and reallocate resources. I believe this is the right time to make strategic partnerships and investments and engage more actively in innovation and sustainability. David, what would you prioritize if you were operating in the market right now? Are there any specific tactics you would deploy to, to limit limit your exposure? Right, yes. so I would want to recalibrate the commercial risk management and financial plans. The strategy to rebalance risk and targets should include different recovery scenarios. The sooner a company does this, the sooner it can refocus its management and exploit the many opportunities the market is offering right now. From a commodity risk management point of view, the hedging strategy should include more options and derivatives to address the increase in uncertainty and the non-linear risks. So whenever the economy starts picking up, you are well set to, uh, to take advantage of that. David, uh, just kind of building on that, is there any other advice you would, you would like to share with, uh, with the folks out there who are listening? Yes, I would say learn every day, be curious, do what you do well, otherwise there is no point. Do it with integrity, very important in any business, especially in commodity markets. One area that I think we haven't yet discussed that I'd like to just touch on uh, is the role that data plays in commodities and and in particular in risk management. So at CHAI, we consume a huge amount of data to help try and provide predictions and forecasts for the commodities that we track. What's your view, David, on on the role that data plays in in the risk management within the commodity space? Adoption of these technologies has been a challenge. Uh, the product offering is very large. There has been some small wins, but overall adoptions remains very slow. We will need leaders and managers with new skill sets in order to make successful changes and implementation of these technologies. 
this area will only increase in importance and the companies that are slow in adopting new technologies will be left behind. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, because, you know, the, the, the background of, of, of the sort of the founders within Chai, you know, we, we, we've historically come from the sort of hedge fund space and involved in the sort of systematic processes involved in investing. And there's always there's always been a little bit of suspicion between the hedge fund world and the sort of physical world, especially when it came to commodities and, you know, the use of data, AI, stuff like that. I mean, you know, how do you view the way the world has changed and the emergence of artificial intelligence being incorporated with alternative data? And, you know, do you see that it, it can give those that utilize it within the commodities industry an edge over the people that are, are less innovative and, and, and aren't or are slower to embrace it? Absolutely, yes. As technology advances, the cost of data falls and more data becomes readily available. Uh, today, is used mainly by sophisticated investors. And just before you mentioned hedge funds. And as it becomes mainstream, we will see its application in more areas. Um, David, a few questions on commodity education at the JP Morgan Center for Commodities. We aim to offer uh, applied commodity research as well as education across the broad commodity space uh, where students can, can learn the production side through the supply chain and eventually all the way to the trading floor, really understanding how these markets trade and, and the financial instruments that, that can that can assist those, uh, in, particularly in the risk management area. So David, based on your experience, what are the critical skills needed for those seeking to enter and advance in the commodity industry? Well, the industry is certainly in need for all the skills. I mean, to date, some of the relevant skills for a commodity risk manager or a trader uh, analytical, intuition, stress management, collaboration and communication skills to start with. And then for any of our uh, commodity students that may be in the audience, what courses, uh, what types of courses would you recommend? Well, uh, courses in economics and international trade are a great, to, a great start for building the analytical skills and understanding the global trade flows. But you will need it all. So options and derivatives, finance, accounting, programming, and don't forget cultivating your soft skills. Yes, uh, yes, I would agree. And then, uh, you know, finally, looking back over your career in commodities, what other advice would you suggest to those uh, new to the sector? Well, if you come to this sector, it's most likely because you are passionate about commodities, you feel attached to a particular commodity, and you are curious about international trade and supply chains. Otherwise, most people will tell you to look elsewhere. It's a rather niche market when you compare to equities, forex, and bonds. All right. Thank you much. Uh, I definitely appreciate your time. I know Steve and I definitely are grateful that, uh, that you were able to, to join us today, David. Thank you. Yes, it's gone really quickly. I, I feel we could, we're only half skimmed the surface. I think we'll have to get, uh, get you back, David, because there's a lot more. It's very interesting to hear your feedback, and there's a lot more we can discuss in the future. Thank you very much for your time, guys. Yeah, thank you. So that's it for today. As always, please do get in touch if you feel like you've got something different to say and you'd like to come on the podcast as a future guest. If you've also got any themes, topics, or people that you'd like us to interview in future episodes, again, let me know. My email address is jake at chai-uk.com. If you enjoyed Time for Chai, I'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. 
Today's podcast was produced by Alejandro Giron of Giron & Co Podcasting Services. Special thanks to my colleagues Stephen Butler, Chris Evans and Marcus Dixon. It was written and hosted by myself, Jake Jacobs. Have a great week. See you next time.